So welcome to the Science for Parliament, the first podcast which aims to foster the relationship between science uh, and uh, decision makers and show how research and innovation are vital to the equitable and sustainable functioning of our societies and economies. My name is Dennis Nocton. I'm a directly elected Member of Parliament in Ireland for the last 26 years, and I've served as an Irish Cabinet Minister and on the Council of the European Union Ministers. I'm chairperson of the Interparliamentary Union Working Group on Science and Technology, which is based in Geneva, and it aims to inspire global parliamentary action through legislative work in the field of science and technology. This podcast aims to highlight the work of innovative scientists and get their perspective on what needs to be done to bring a world of science and policy closer together. And to add something different to the conversation, my guests are being asked to pick two numbers, each of which is related to one of 10 random questions, some of which will be asked during the interview. So on today's show, I'll be talking about nanotechnology and the economic, social and ethical implications surrounding its use with Dr. Cormac O'Quillon. Dr. O'Quillon spent three months as a researcher in residence in the Irish Parliament in 2021 as part of the Science Foundation Ireland Public Service Fellowship Programme and produced a report on the influence, risks and opportunities that nanotechnology holds. So I want to thank you, first of all, uh, Dr. O'Quillon, for uh, being the first guest uh, on the uh, Science for Parliament podcast and taking time to talk to us about re your research. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me here. So could I first of all maybe ask you to uh, pick uh, two numbers between uh, one and ten? One and five. That's perfect. Now, first of all, can I ask you maybe to explain to us in simple terms what your research area is all about? What is nanotechnology? Nanotechnology, I guess, is fundamentally material science, but material science within the 21st century. So if you look at how sort of uh, society through the ages, materials are often a defining characteristic of society. You take the Stone Age, it's the material you talk about. The Iron Age is the material. As we've developed beyond this, we've had the Silicon Age, but effectively now we're at a stage where we can manipulate materials on the atomic level. And this is what's required to give us the products that we see in everyday use. So nanotechnology might conjure up ideas of computers, but I work on projects such as Eslip project, which looks at and lubricants on the nanoscale and microscale are sensors for determining sort of toxic gases and that each of these are based upon controlling the materials on a very fine level so that we get the information and the results that we want out of them. And why did you take an interest in this whole area? We're talking about materials that you're looking at at microscopic uh, scale in relation to what gave you the interest in this whole field in the first place? I guess I'm a curious person who likes solving puzzles or at least trying to solve puzzles. Uh, sometimes you don't get to solve them. But uh, material science, I think, stands at a sort of a focal point. It ties a lot of other fields in together because it's what we need to use to solve problems. I love science as a whole, not just a specific uh, sub-subject, but rather I know that if I'm looking at a material, it has applications in biology or it has applications even in industrial uses or in computing and that. And then you also get to look at a lot of the fundamental questions around the materials as well. 
So, so it's, it's had, really it, the it, basic it, building blocks that, that we use building blocks, on, yes. on, on a day-to-day -day basis. Yes, and, but it's also that you get a chance to look at applications as well as fundamentals. And can you give us a practical example of some uh, of those applications that you've worked on or, or some of your colleagues in this field globally are working on? Well, one of the current projects we're looking at, and it sounds rather mundane, is superlubricity, which is effectively looking at uh, coatings on particles or on surfaces that would allow them to slide smoothly against each other. So and why is that important? Reducing wear and tear. Wear and tear is important everywhere. So that you, let's say, use less. If you can control the surface, you need, let's say, less oil, which means your the car car parts will move more smoothly. The watch parts will move more smoothly. Or even, let's say, the rotors in a wind turbine will effectively be less energy is lost due to friction and wear. And heat, that's just effectively wasted as heat. So better moving parts. Yeah. And so it makes them more efficient. And of course, they, they last much longer as well. Last much longer. Yes, indeed. So look, you spent three months uh, in the uh, Irish Parliament working side by side with staff and meeting uh, members of Parliament. So can you tell me something that you learned about politics or about the operation of Parliament from your fellowship or something that surprised you? I suppose the pace of it surprised me as well. It's it's quite driven. And so far as it has to be topical, it, it, it is always the question of why is it relevant and why should we care? This is was very much driven home. Scientists, I think, and policymakers often speak different languages. So it's about becoming more attuned to what's required by policymakers. And I found them actually, to be honest, coming from the outside, you would expect it a little bit scarier, but they were very friendly people. They were not really that scary at all. And can you tell us a bit about what exactly you were working on on your research fellowship uh, when you were in the Irish Parliament? So as you, as you had said, it was the ethics, societal and ethical implications of na uh, nanotechnology. So while this let's say nanotechnology is an established field. Uh, the term was coined about 50 years ago, but it's realistically, let's say the past 20 years have seen an awful lot of development. And now we're at a, a point in Ireland where we have developed a lot of this, that we have the infrastructure and it is looking at the future applications and to a certain extent, how to remain relevant or how to leverage what we have achieved towards, I suppose, future goals or and the possible implications of using these materials and the ethical questions, I guess, that it may uh, create down the road as to where we use these things, such as within, let's say, biology or how we how we pass drugs legislation if there's nanotechnology in it, but also, let's say, environmental aspects, such as sometimes people are rather concerned, let's say, is it a scary new technology? But realistically, a lot of nanoscale, a lot of things in nature often work at the nanoscale. And so these, some of them exist already. It's the question of which new ones do we introduce? This, These are questions that do need to be posed before they become a problem. But the difficulty for us as politicians is it's very hard to to regulate something when you don't know what it is. You're trying to preempt where research is going, where technology uh, is Indeed. going uh, from a legislative perspective. 
how how do we try and grapple with that? How does science try to grapple with that? I think effectively this will be a problem for everyone. But the issue is that if you are slow getting off the starting blocks, you've got less of a chance by being informed and knowing what's happening. You can not necessarily anticipate the road it'll take, but at least not have to upskill in the language to understand the problem in the first place. This is, I think, a critical aspect. I think, let's say, things like AI have caught a lot of people unaware and it is seriously fast developing, but ultimately it still relies on certain principles. It still relies, let's say, on computers and things like this, which rely on materials. And the question is, you can pick a point where you can pull up the thread and hopefully control it or regulate it on a certain thread. Yeah, and isn't that what's happening at the moment in terms of AI, that actually those that control the distribution of the chips that are used in AI are effectively controlling the expansion of that at the moment. But the difficulty is, as that research and technology develops, people will be able to individually manufacture the chips. But is that not where we're at today? It is is to a degree, yes. And then you also have to think about, uh, let's say, these are very power-hungry systems and the demands associated with this are, let's say, it feeds into data centers. Do we want these on our doorstep, yes or no? Or if we do, how do we regulate for that? It's a many-headed problem, but nonetheless... As I said, you if you are at least informed on the scientific basis of it, it shouldn't take too much to actually upskill to where you understand the conversation. Yeah. And look, the political cycle works uh, on five year periods uh, because there's an election every five years. So Indeed. what would you like to see happen with your work um, that was presented at the end of 2021 uh, in that five uh, year period where would you like to see it this is yeah, this is quite a difficult thing actually five years is sort of let's say it takes something from a fundamental idea to a product often let's say closer to 20 so it is a difficult or maybe shorter if you have a better idea and 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 the resources but i think that it would be nice to see that Let's say the infrastructure that has been developed doesn't wither, the the, the knowledge doesn't wither, that the the capacity that Ireland has developed isn't lost to the winds of a five year plan. This is, I think, rather than being a specific outcome from my work, but rather that it is sort of the people remain informed. And let's take it back a bit from the heavy uh, discussion now for a minute. So you picked two numbers there, one and five at the start of the, the podcast. So question number one is, if a child stopped you on the street and asked you what science is, what would be your answer? Mm. Uh, for me, science would be how we try to understand how the world around us works. And then taking what we've learned and putting it together in a sensible way so that others can use it. I think that sums it up effectively. Yeah, no, I think it pretty sums it up all right. So uh, do you have any advice for politicians in terms of engagement uh, with scientists? How do we start this conversation? How do we start that engagement? I think effectively scientists are constituents too. (laughs) This is ultimately, if you look at it that way, most of the time they are more than happy to discuss their work. And as a problem solver, by presenting a scientist with a problem, this is always 
a good place to start. The issue will be, I think, that scientists and politicians sometimes speak the same words, but a different language. So a bit of patience is required. Yeah, and I suppose the one thing that we have in common is that we're all problem solvers and and it's about trying to to find a basic level to uh, start that engagement from. So, Dr. Uh, Cormac O'Quillon, I want to thank you very much for talking with me uh, today and to remember that you can find a link uh, to Cormac's paper and all of the Science for Parliament podcasts at uh, dennisnocton.ie or on whatever platform you use uh, to find your podcast. So, Cormac, thanks very much for being with us today. Thank you for having me, Dennis. Thank you.